Welcome to Talking Events. Uh, today's uh, episode is being recorded from the offices of IBID in Richmond, Southwest London. We should uh, say a big thank you to all the staff here at IBID for their hospitality over the last couple of days and allowing us to record the podcast from their offices. Um, Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News, um, today welcomes into the studio Hugo Spalding, Managing Director of MSP. Good afternoon. And Jim Curry, owner of Exhibitor Smarts. Jim, Hello. good afternoon to you. Hello. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us in the studio. Um, today we're going to be talking um, about data capture and, and, and obtaining data in a, an exhibition scenario. Um, mm -hmm. What I think we should first of all do before we dive into the subject matter is, is talk a little bit about your individual areas expertise to, to, to qualify exactly why you're here today to talk about this. Um, let's begin with you, Hugo. Um, just explain yes. a little bit about, um, about the company and what it is you do. Well, MSP is a business that's been in existence now since 1971 and has interacted with customer information for in excess of 40 years. Um, over that period of time, it's evolved from very manual-based processes in terms of paper through to where we are today in terms of technology and what the subjects of discussion will focus on. Uh, and Jim, uh, Exhibitor Smarts? Yeah, so um, it's a newly created agency and it focuses and works alongside exhibition organisers and suppliers. And we focus on projects which look at... Um, exhibitor retention, exhibitor acquisition, engagement and growth. Um, so, as I said, it's a pretty young company. Been going for eight, nine months now. Um, previous to that, I was the deputy director of the Association of Event Organisers. So, um, yeah. It's, it's fair to say on the subject of data that it's always been a key part of the, the exhibition industry, hasn't it? it regardless mm. of how it's been captured. Um, However, the, the, the word how is very much where things have shifted, hasn't it, in the last, uh, last few years, in the last decade or so. Um, when we talk about data capture, what are the, the, the sort of the key elements and, and the key facets of data capture? Um, uh, we were talking off air just before we recorded today about um, the, those sort of three key areas. Jim, perhaps you could expand on those for us. So the date, you've, you've got various areas of data capture. You've got the data capture between... Uh, exhibitor and visitor, which I think we're, we're going to focus on today. But you've also got the uh, data capture between organiser and exhibitor and then organiser and visitor. And hopefully we, haven't, we, all, we won't confuse too many people with that triumvirate of uh, relationships. Um, a, lo a lot of people are familiar with the basic elements of data capture and how it, it does work and has worked in an, in an exhibition environment. Perhaps we should mm. paint a picture of how it was was done traditionally and why that's prompted a shift into people rethinking how that data is captured and, and managed subsequently? Well, it's an interesting point because the concept of data capture or information capture or um, collection of customer information hasn't always been important or been even in the forefront of any business's mind, let alone whether they exhibit or not. Um, what we found over the past sort of two, three decades is how the importance has suddenly shifted, largely because the rise of technology has made the speed and ease with which that information can be accessed, um, doesn't detract from the whole point of people exhibiting, which is to um, engage, have a conversation in a marketplace. Um, information capture with traditional methods is quite laborious. Uh, if I was to sit down and take your details, for example, it would probably take me a good couple of minutes to actually get any meaningful information. Mm -hmm. And even then, once I've done that, what's to say that I haven't got a spelling mistake or 
put the wrong piece of information in or not ask you the right piece of information. Um, that information is only as good as, it, as you capture at that moment in time. Nowadays, what we're finding is that it's a lot easier to prevent those sorts of issues and the direct information you can use quickly, but it's all of the anonymized information around it. So the time you actually had the conversation, where you were when you had the conversation, it's enriching it so that it can become more useful for more people, ranging from the visitor right up to the organizer. Um, when we talk about data capture, how much of it is capturing somebody's data and how much of it now is that person giving you their data? And, and is there a differentiation? Um, I think it's all Good right. question. Yeah. I think it's one of these, uh, when you're talking about data capture on the exhibition floor, um, I think you've got a number of problems, um, specifically when you're talking between uh, exhibitor and visitor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got, you know, the, the usual sort of methods of, of data capture, whether that's um, data scanners or, or you know, bring, well, which more becoming more popular, which is uh, bring your own device. Um, but the inherent problem is that people are still not using it. Um, so there was a um, research article this year by the Exhibitor Media Group, um, and the number one lead uh, retrieval system by, I think it was 31% or something like that, was the business card. 25% or around that part, you'll have, you'll have to look up for the exact, yeah. but it's around about that. It's around about 61% of all lead retrieval systems are either the business card or a handwritten form. And therein lies a, lies a problem, not only with the performance of the exhibitor and how they get the maximum amount of exhibitions, but also with the education of the exhibitor um, and also how they're actually getting results from exhibitions. So there's a whole area there uh, of questioning and uh, areas that need addressing in terms of um, exhibitors getting results from, le from lead inquiries. And we've all been there, haven't we? You're returning from the exhibition with, with the shoebox full of business cards that sit then mm. underneath the office desk for weeks and weeks and weeks and then months and months and then a couple of years down the line you go... Yeah. Oh, all these business cards are out of date now and, and you get rid of them. So mm -hmm. d despite looking at this sort of almost archaic process of handwriting and hand capturing data, mm. it, it sounds to me like there's still a, a large amount of people and exhibitors spending the time to go to these events and yet still doing it in a quite an old-fashioned way. Exactly. And, you know, you've got to probably, you know, Hugo might be a better, better place to, to, to sort of comment on this, but, you know, it's got to be a reason why why that, that problem exists and it can't just be okay well the exhibitors don't you know you can't keep on putting the blame on the exhibitors it's got to be the system that that, that fails so it might be a case that the technology that's there is either a too expensive for the exhibitors to use or b too complex for them to do and they find it easier to exchange it uh, via business card or handwritten form so um, it's kind of looking at the technology uh, and then possibly looking looking at the organisers and suppliers and seeing what programmes they've got in place to ensure uh, that people up, take up this technology. Because there's no two ways about it. You know, doing bring your own device or doing any, any sort of digital data capture is definitely the way forward. We've just got to address the reason why people don't do it. Is it, let's ask the question, is it cost prohibitive? Do, do a lot of organizers, uh, exhibitors now, having spent the money on the exhibition stand and the staff together and the hotels, etc., 
see when the form lands saying, oh, to buy a digital scanner, it's going to be another 150 quid. Yeah. Do a lot of them just think oh, another hundred? They've already had five grand from me. Yeah. And now they want mm. another 150 quid so that I can actually get the information of the guys that I'm paying to, to be in front of. Yeah. Yeah. This is quite a common thing to hear, which is utterly absurd when you think about it, because if you add in all of the time, the costs, the materials to actually be at that event, um, quibbling over a fraction of that to actually have a device to be able to collect information which allows you to have sales leads, which, let's face it, is the main reason why people exhibit to actually generate business, generate customer awareness, brand enforcement. Um, if you don't have any means of collecting that information, then how can you prove that that event was a success? Absolutely. No way to quantify it. Precisely. So spending anywhere between... Fifty pounds and one hundred and fifty pounds for the means to collect that information. My question is, well, why wouldn't you? And, but how many organisers actually sit down and explain it in the words that you've just used? And and is there an issue there with the organisers not educating and, and and showing these benefits clear enough to exhibitors? Well, you know, I think you personally, you've, you know, and I completely agree with you. And I think that there probably will be a case of how organisers communicate with with exhibitors. Um, but it might be a case that, you know, it's just a straw that breaks a camel's back and then they're looking at what is what is essential and what is not essential. Now, I agree with you, it is essential. Um, but um, they might view, okay, well, listen, we know the market, we know who we're talking to. Uh, when it comes to lead generation, we're doing it in, using our systems and the sales guys that do it. Um, you could flip it over and they go, well, if it's £150, why doesn't it get folded into the cost of the exhibition stand? And probably I'm going to get killed by a whole load of organisers for saying this, but <laughs> where, where, who, the value of that data, who benefits mostly from having access to that level of information? Is it the exhibitor or is it the organiser? It's the organiser. The organiser wants to know how many leads are uh, are generated in its totality on that floor they want to know how successful the event is as soon as you take it outside of the the organizer's system that's when they can't quantify it and that's when they struggle to get the retention of of exhibitors and the you know and to get them engaged so the value the the exhibitor still gets the lead whether it's a business card or whether it's by by digital means a spreadsheet exactly. whatever it may be exactly but if they do it on the org on the sh the official show one, the organizer gets to see the insight, and that's where the value is. So I'd I'd argue that the value of the lead or access to that lead information is more valuable to the organizer than it is it is to the exhibitor. I echo that quite wholeheartedly. It's I think the the real driver behind this is on, the emphasis is on the organizers to actually drive an improvement in the way that technology collects data across live events. Um, because the organisers stand to benefit in more than one way. There is a natural benefit to actually have intelligence in a live environment. And yeah. given that technology allows that information to be collected, as we're talking right now, um, you can quickly identify if there's a particular exhibitor on a particular stand that's having a problem. Mm. So this isn't always about just the positives. It's being able to react to say, well, if there are two um, exhibitors either side on two stands and one stand in the middle isn't, performing or generating leads or there's no activity then the organizer can be seen to be being proactive by stepping in how can we help you how can we improve your event how can we increase the engagement between you and your visitors yeah it becomes sort of like a um 
you know, an account management thing during the show. Precisely. That, you know, if you've got 100% of your exhibitors all hooked into this, into this uh, data capture system, then, you know, it's fine. Should, are there other examples already? Are we seeing some organisers taking a, a, or rethinking the approach to this and doing things, maybe not wholeheartedly differently, but really sort of taking a step back and saying, right, hold on a second, mm-hmm. let's, let's do this differently? It, or, or are we still at a stage where we're trying to educate organisers a little bit differently? No, um, I think all, there are organisers that are, uh, are adopting this process. I think, um, I think, yeah, without naming names, there's sort of like definitely three or four in the UK market that are incorporating the data capture model uh, within their stand. So, you know, the stand price can absorb that £150 or, or whatever price that the registration companies are putting on the on the capture. So there's, perhaps, there's perhaps an argument to, to maybe rethink the... the the financial, the, the way the finances are handled and the way the stands are sold in terms of their costs in order to maybe absorb the cost of the data capture? Yes, I mean, in our sort of uh, engagement with organisers in uh, the market is that it's dependent upon the size of the organiser that dictates mm-hmm. whether there is either the real value lies in the anonymised data, which allows them to improve customer service in an event, um, yet there's also the side that, given that margins universally across the space can be extremely tight for a number of organisers below a certain size, um, it offers an interesting revenue stream because there is the immediate opportunity to be able to gain new revenues, access new revenues, um, by selling the benefits of generating information and leads, which strengthens why they're at the event. So it's, it's, it's twofold. I think the larger organisers as a whole will probably find a far greater value proposition by rolling it into a stand as a natural extension of the stand, being able to say, have your staff use this, and you yourselves can measure the performance at our event, and we can keep an eye on you at the same time and help you win at this event. We talk about the cost involved in quote-unquote traditional scanners, mm. where you would, would scan the, the, the badge, the registration badge and the delegate badge of, of the visitor and get their information subsequently via, via email, uh, mostly. Um, what is the uptake like with Bring Your Own Device and using smartphones and deploying event apps in order to then use your own device to scan them? It, it, has it been taken in wholeheartedly, or is it really just a fraction of, of exhibitors who've seen the benefit in that? I like, I've, I've only, you'll probably be the best, best place to comment on this. Or it's quite variable, to be honest, yeah. in our experience. It's, uh, that's not dodging the question deliberately. Mm. Um, I think as a general rule of thumbs, uh, exhibitor uptake of scanners in events is roughly at about 15%. Um, the remaining um, 85% use various means ranging from nothing at all through to paper through to business card collection. And some, particularly larger exhibitors, have their own um, software tools. Mm. Um, it's in terms of a technology uptake, what we find is it depends on what's the type of event. If it's a food and beverage type event, then technology adoption as a whole is slightly lower because it's much more fast-paced. There's far greater engagement quicker between exhibitor and visitor. If it leans to more towards electronics or if it leans more towards construction, then the conversation engagement is longer, which means that injecting software is a lot easier to interact with. So it does vary, but our peak uptake at um, some events is north of 50%. So it does illustrate that the uptake is there, the appetite is there, and more importantly, the education is growing day by day. So exhibitors are beginning to wake up to this. 
the the aim of exhibiting is to do business, isn't it? It's to oh. sell or or to to generate new business in whatever service it is that you're providing. Um, why do we think that exhibitors are not managing their leads better? And I'm just looking at a, an infographic here that that was generated generated by ExhibitorOnline.com that says that 59% of of uh, people that they served exhibitors that they surveyed said that they don't have a formal lead scoring or lead ranking process within the leads that they generate. So it's not only maybe not following up on the mm. leads at all, so but no not even subdividing or quantifying which ones are necessarily better leads you know, warm leads or cold leads. Um, why do we think this is still taking place? Why, do we, why are people still allowed to essentially be lazy when they turn up and exhibit at a show? Because that's what it is. It, uh, I think, you know, I think it depends on a couple of di different variables. You can look at the... Um, you can look at how the exhibitor is laid out. So you can possibly look at, okay, who makes the investment to, to exhibit and, you know, a large majority of the time that will be the marketing department or it might be the seniors, the senior team. And then you're looking at the exhibitor staff, you know, these are the guys that are, you know, invariably sales-led sales, sales -led and they know the market quite well. Um, if it's B2B and, you know, it's quite a small sector, then, you know, they know who they're talking to and they know who their targets are. Um, so I think you've got a difference between the mark, you know, the planning department and who's actually doing it. Um, and I think when you're looking at, what was it, 15, 59? 59%, yeah, 59% um, said, uh, answered no when asked if they have a way of, of, of actually marking or, or, or quantifying yeah. the level of lead that mm. that is. Yeah. Chances are that that 59% probably won't realise why they should. Well, it, just, it all just goes into the data bin, doesn't it? So it's sort of like kind of, exactly. it's got that air of, okay, right, let's let's try and grab as much data as we can. You know, if, if the number one reason for exhibiting is lead generation, um, then they take mm. leads, whether they're, you know, hot, warm or cold, and they're just there going, right, grab them. And then it will invariably then be a decision by either the marketing department to grade them, which they probably wouldn't, or mm. by the sales team to determine their priority. Um, it, it all, a lot of it will come back down to time constraints, won't it? Irrespective of how easy you make it to, to analyze the data and giving it in a digital format, mm. there is still a time element involved, isn't there? And people have taken maybe a day or a couple of days out of the office to go to the exhibition and then will be under pressure to return to their normal activities as well as follow up with the leads from the show. Mm. How mm -hmm. much of a difference has being able to start generating leads before an event actually begins made to exhibitors? And I'm talking about things like event apps now that allow you to start the engagement process prior mm. to the doors actually opening. Ha ha have you had any experience where it is making a difference or has made a difference? It's uh, from my personal point of view is that that engagement should happen continuously. It shouldn't have predetermined start dates and end dates. My view is that if you're going to be attending an event, it's certainly an obligation of exhibitor and organiser to do at the absolute utmost to maximise that event in terms of starting the conversation early, getting engagement by whichever means possible, digital, print. Um, the whole objective is that in those days that you're at the event, you can't replace them. In that year, you've got two, three, four days to get the absolute maximum that you can. Um, you should have every tool at your disposal to make sure that you do walk away with the absolute maximum. Jim? What he said. 
No, I mean, it's, you know, it is bang on. It's, it's, it's one of these sort of things that, uh, uh, you know, an exhibition presence or your exhibition activity isn't the two or three days. Everyone gears it towards this two or three day at a venue where you where you max out. You know, you should be looking... Well, I know you said don't put any time frames on, but, you know, in an ideal world, you're looking at sort of like two or three months beforehand, generating interest, mm. letting your existing customers... Because it's not just lead generating is sort of lead development so you can use that as an excuse to or the the exhibition as a as a reason to develop leads that you've already got in the already got in the pipeline at the moment um I, i'm wondering whether or not we can highlight and and and, and bring to four uh, examples of some of the software hardware actual solutions that are available to to people now um and, and your experiences of those and, and what you've seen working effectively um in terms of hardware and software Okay, um, so I think you know in ter- what well, in terms of data capture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you've got the 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 reg companies that are all plugged into the organisers. So um, you know, obviously, I think to different degrees they've got um, levels of sort of technical feedback and you know their reporting methods. Um, one one area that has interested me, and it's one that probably will be a threat, and it, it, it's the case with all technology. Um, I was looking at a uh, bit of software called Stampilot, um, which is a standalone standalone app um, that can pretty much sort of generate. Uh, you know, it scores all of your systems yourself, um, and it's kind of sort of like the midpoint between a business card and. Uh, and and tapping into um, the organizer data capture system. Right. Okay. It's, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty good. And, and that's run on. Uh, that's uh, run off uh, an app. Yeah. Run, run off an app. Um, yeah. Any any any, any uh, examples software uh, hardware that uh, that you'd like to highlight to us, Hugo? Well, the market's flooded now mm-hmm. with what a lot of software vendors perceive well is actually going to be a benefit to the market and it's not entirely clear straight off the bat as to who it's actually aimed at is this particular technology for the benefit of the visitor mm-hmm. such as pre-event um, social media um, event knowledge in terms of where particular exhibitors are going to be participating um, there are also apps and technologies that are aimed specifically at the exhibitors so to give intelligence, lead collection, etc. You also have apps that aim specifically at the organizer. Um, I think that one of the issues at the moment is that there are so many that have flooded the market. It's not entirely clear as to what each and every one of these um, mm. app technologies does mm. um, and what actually is its benefit. Yeah. What's the point have of it? Have people dived in sometimes before fully understanding that, taking the plunge into just deploying one of these technologies that are available or services that are available and, and yep. perhaps not fully explored what it's going to actually bring to the table this is what we find with our clients is that not just organizers but large corporates just rush into that space thinking oh i've got to have an app I've got to find and it doesn't matter what it is just need to have an app and then i can say i've got an app um it's only sort of two three four five months down the road that they stop and think well actually well what is the point of this what's it actually doing for mm-hmm. me my business my customers um and i think that that confusion is what's actually um, affecting uh, the way in which exhibitors are actually picking and selecting the right technologies because they're not actually looking necessarily at the benefits of it but actually looking at the fact that oh it is an app it is going to interact oh well, that's got to be right then um, are there any issues at all with the type of data that's being captured and what we're actually asking of of visitors um, 
that, that, that w even if we, we find the right means with which to capture that data, if, if the data that we've sourced from the visitor in the first place is not necessarily going to be helpful to us, it doesn't matter how we've captured it. Yes, I mean, it's, the, the data is so what we're, we're focusing on largely within event environments is personal data, uh, which is the name, address, uh, details of the individual, and also their preferences, products, um, time to be contacted, etc. Um, a lot of that information is accessible through registration. Um, also, that information is quite accessible live in the environments themselves, so the individual can pass that on themselves. Um, a lot of larger exhibitors have fairly clever CRM systems whereby they can draw down that data into live environments and access it and append it. Um, it's the, the ensuring that you've got the right person is the start. Um, that information is king. Um, I went last year, I was in, invited to attend um, an exhibitor day and it was a, an exhibitor training day for a major, major trade exhibition. And we're talking right. several hundred exhibition stands and that the organizers hosted a free training day a couple of months before mm -hmm. where any exhibitor could turn up mm. and speak directly to the marketing team speak directly to the pr team receive some free training find out about the data capture options that were available to them and when we're talking several hundred exhibitors they had 40 people turn up to this free day Mm. Now, okay, there's a bit of time out of the office. Mm. There may be some travel costs associated in getting there because we're talking about exhibitors coming from all over the country. But yeah. when when, when organisers are actually offering stuff like that for free to try and give their exhibitors the best possible outcome to spending mm. their money and only 40 people are turning up, what, what more can they actually do? Well... <laughs> Well, that's a good question. Well, it is a good question, and it, it, it is one of these sort of things. So I've got this thing that, you know, in any one day, if you if you meet 10 people and one person's an idiot, they're an idiot, right? If you go out the next day and you meet 10 people and they're all idiots, you're the idiot, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm phrasing this. So basically, across all sectors, I'm not just talking sort of like, you know, one specific show or one specific organiser. We've got, as an industry, we've got to address something, and it's across all sectors, across all shows, exhibitors are not engaging on these training platforms. And we've got to ask ourselves, you know, and we can turn around and they're going, oh, well, what more can we do? We're clearly doing something wrong. So as opposed to year in, year out, having this battle to try to change the training days, I think we need to take a step back, and they're going, how appealing are they? And I'd argue they're not really that appealing, and... They don't really put that much effort into it and one size doesn't fit all so why should you go to a training day that could have sort of a massive corporate you know who, who spends hundreds of thousands of pounds versus somebody who's just doing their first exhibition is mm -hmm. in their first yeah. year of business and you're like okay right you can't talk to them in the same way and you can't tell them how to do everything so how about you just do a first time as one you know, and you break it down and you make the effort. Will it cost money? Probably. Will it increase retention? Probably. So that's kind of where I'm at with but it. it. But at least you're putting people into the same room who can relate to the person sat next to them because, exactly. you know, you, you're independent mm. guy, self-employed, his own little company, yeah. buys a, the smallest shell scheme he can buy just to get his foot on the, you know, get on the ladder, so to speak, at the exhibition. And he's sat next to the global marketing director of you know, yeah. Globo company. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, I've heard of them. They're going to feel out the depth, aren't they? It's, it's, yeah, it's no, not doing yeah, them any favours yeah. at all. But you made the point there that they are all unified in one aspect, which is every single one of them has spent money to attend that event. So every single one of them is thinking, what am I going to get out of this? What, so what exactly is my return going to be? And I think my personal view on your question is that the, I think what is education is key, and I'm applaud the fact that that education forum happened, but it needs to be led much more by the organisers and the event industry as a whole, because to the best of my knowledge, there's no definitive best practice. Mm-hmm. Mm. If I go to any event in any vertical, what should I expect? If I spend X amount, how many, what should I walk away with other than the fact that a feeling it was a very satisfactory event, very well managed, organized, excellent engagement with visitors. What should I, my return be? What am I going to go back to my um, office and tell my staff? Are they going to say, well, what have you got? Have you got anything at all? Any sales? Any mm. customers? Any leads? Mm. And I think that at the moment there are no specific prescriptive guidelines. If, for example, the industry as a whole turned around to say that in terms of best practice, there should be an expectation that you walk away with um, 50 leads per day, right, start the discussion on that. How are you going to achieve that? How's that going to be achieved? How's it going to be delivered? What do you need to do that? And that's where technology can enter because it will start to answer that question. But we find with other clients in other industries is that there is best practice in automotive and finance and media so that if you do engage, not just in a live event, but an outdoor event or a pop-up event, that you're aiming at a prescriptive quantity of leads or prescriptive quantity of um, confirmed engagements with visitors, prospective customers or actual customers. So I think best practice is what would definitely help. When we were talking in the studio before um, we began recording today's episode, um, the term return of investment, return on investment, was Ooh. what was used. And this this is a, a strange term, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because you'll have an exhibitor who we've already identified doesn't do the maximum in order to capture data and then use that data correctly and analyse mm. it in any way, shape or form afterwards in some cases. Yet, when approached by the organisers the next year to say, will you exhibit? And they say, no. They say, why? Well, we didn't get the return of investment that we were expecting what, what does it actually mm. mean return of investment and well, then how, do we, how do we look at it <laughs> does anyone know well no and that's that's the whole thing i mean it's one of these easy phrases that people can turn down they go oh, yeah, yeah yeah i didn't get my return on investment you know when you look at it and i think when we talk about it we we oversimplify things and we there go okay so you exhibit um and then you develop that lead for you know between naught to three months and then yeah you, ha- you know you have your face-to-face mm-hmm. meeting and then then it goes into this sort of like sales funnel where they go you know into to hard pitch hard pitch mode and then you get the sale and then we'll attribute that all back to the exhibition that isn't going to happen you know it goes over sort of like 25 emails that get sent out from a variety of newsletters it goes to two other exhibitions they see them there you know you are the long and short of it is, I don't think you can. You can do it simplified, and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's formulas out there to do it. So yes, you can do it very simplified. If you're in a FMCG mode, or if you're in a, you know, a very niche uh, sector that can that, that, that can track it. Majority of people, you can't do ROI. So then you're there going, right, okay, well, let's stop, you know, hitting on that. 
what else can we do? Return on, you know, and it, you sound a little bit sort of like management speak here, but, mm. you know, the one that I always keep coming back to is return on objectives. And when you are exhibiting, you have got about four, four or five different objectives and you're like, okay, did we get did we get the suitable press on that? Were, were we seen by enough people? Did we get these leads? Did we grow our database by X percent? And once you start there going, okay, yeah, well, of the four objectives that we did, we hit we hit all four. Great, fine, success. And that for me is probably sort of like the one thing that you're going to do. And people might say, you know, that's a little bit of a cop out, but fundamentally, I'd, I'd argue I'd be really hard pushed to find anyone that could give me a really, really good model on ROI and uh, and how they've proven it. Ultimately, it all mm. comes back round to capturing the right data and then managing that data properly, doesn't it? Because if your sales guys are getting sales and confirmed sales after an event and they're able to track that back to a lead that was ultimately generated from that event, which to say it sounds like a very simple process, but if we're being honest, the vast majority of people won't have those protocols in place in order to track those leads back to where they're actually sourced from you're not going to ever really be able to use the term ROI mm. and actually mean it are you well you'd be amazed how many companies still operate using spreadsheets some still operate using chalk and slate um, <laughs> so if you don't imagine Fred Flintstone <laughs> chipping his spreadsheet into a into oh, a rock it's it's not that uncommon I can assure <laughs> you um but I think that probably rather than focusing on something, ROI is a bit of a management buzzword at the moment. I completely agree. A bit like the term efficiency savings. Does anyone actually know what they're trying to say? Um, We're going to streamline. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another good one. I think keep it in simple terms. Keep it simple. And then if you're a carpenter or if you're a software company exhibiting, you'll understand it and buy into it. This comes back to the education point. Um, I just think that it should be simplified and focus much more in terms of conversion. Mm. So how many days am I at the event? How many staff are actually servicing my stand? How many visitors am I engaging with? And how many people are willing to give me their information? Because you don't want to bully it out of them because what's the point in sort of... It's, it's You're obtaining it under it. duress, aren't you? Exactly. It's not a quality engagement. Um, but to establish how many members of staff and how many people you've engaged with, how many um, visitors have been willing to release their information, because it is a case of they need to be willing and it, it is something that they have to engage. How many of those contacts have become sales leads? How many are just general inquiries? How many are customer service queries? Each and every one has its place and each and every one should be measured to say, well, okay, today we got 10 sales leads, five customer service queries and... Um, three complaints out of 50 visits. All right, you can build on that. Um, Jim, earlier in the episode, you mentioned StandPilot. And I'm going to mm. just, just take things back a little bit because whilst we've been recording, I'm, I'm just taking a quick look at StandPilot's website and what it is. And mm. what I'm interested to, to, to ask and a, a, your opinion of is that the use of your own device at exhibitions to capture the data is is not... It been been uptaken hugely yet, mm. right? But inevitably, like a lot of technology that's associated with the use of handheld portable devices, at some point there is a, a sort of a boom period where suddenly everybody gets it and it will suddenly explode. Do we think that's going to happen? And if that does happen, is that then the sort of the, the, the death of the traditional scanner? And is it going to make things easier? Are we going to have this epiphany moment where suddenly 
exhibitors do realise, hold on, I've got this thing in my pocket here, mm. I can use that, and I, now I know how to use it. From my experience and uh, my point of view is that, broadly speaking, in um, an events uh, environment, uh, exhibitors are late adopters of technology. And that's largely a case of, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. um, you could argue that and say, well, actually, it's an education exercise because you don't know why you should be using something else. But the simple fact is any BYOD device, um, smartphones are everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're in all of our pockets. And chances are in every live environment, when you listen, walk down the corridors and you hear people saying, oh, I can't get a signal and Wi-Fi is flooded. Well, they're not talking about anything other than their devices and trying to connect and get some form of Internet connection. Mm. Now, that will be a case for visitors, exhibitors and the organizers themselves. So the question is, why do you need any other physical piece of hardware above what you've already got in your pocket? Jim? What he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it is one of these sort of things that, you know, the, the penetration of uh, smartphones and how we use them, you know, they're integral to everything that we do. We get apps for, you know, not just, you know, the live environment, but how you work as well. And it just makes sense to be on there. I mean, I know sort of um, I was talking to to the guys at N200 and um, sort of anecdotally, I think, you know, it can go as, as high as um, 60, 65% in terms of people rather having their, you know, using the smartphone app as opposed to um, having a traditional device. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I, maybe we'll have this, this, this moment or this epiphany, you know, where, where suddenly everybody does get it and, and it, and it starts to be used. Like, like we all agree that the, the devices are in our pockets. Mm. At some point, you would hope, fingers crossed, that people are gonna gonna get what's available to them and and uh, and start um, and start using it. Um, the mm. next episode of Talking Events is actually going to be looking um, a stage on from today's episode, looking at managing data. We'll be welcoming uh, Steve McKenzie from eTouches and and Martin Westorp from Scribe, and looking at the integration process between all of the different. Um, management and marketing systems that are now available to organise, which I, I think will lead on nicely from, from today's um, discussion. However, I think that there's still a, a lot more to be said in terms of how data is, is, is captured and managed at that initial stage, and uh, I've no doubt we'll touch on it again in a, a future episode of the podcast. Um, don't forget, if you've got any comments and suggestions on today's episode, tweet us at Talking Events. You can watch and listen to the podcast via the Event Industry News website and also watch the video via the Event Industry News YouTube channel. Um, for now, it's uh, thank you to Hugo Spaulding. Hugo, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, thank you. Jim Curry, thanks for uh, coming into the studio. Cheers, mate. My name's James Dixon, and this is Talking Events. Mm -hmm.